Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The John Frickin' Meerpod is stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear for season six of the podcast. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping and returns over $40. Do yourself a favor and get your gear at GGG. I was hitchhiking the other day and a hearse stopped. I said, no thanks, I'm not going that far. Stephen Wright. Uh, we've been stopped by the cops once because we were in the back of a pickup truck, but it was not allowed. We didn't know. It was a very friendly cop. He just gave the driver a warning and uh, explained to us all the possible possibilities of, of dying of being in the back of a truck. So, uh, But we had one uh, hitch, it was uh, me and another girl, and we were picked up by, uh, uh, where was it? I think it was close to PVC. And this guy just kept on talking that we had to really be careful of the Sasquatches out there. and. Uh, they are dangerous and uh, he knows ex exactly all the locations and uh, he says if you see a boot somewhere that's probably somebody who's eaten by Sasquatch and he just talked about Sasquatches for half an hour and we just sat there and listened and enjoyed the conversation a, a lot. It was, it was definitely uh, one of our most fun hitches uh, of all, yeah. I'm Doc and this is Hiker Trash Radio.
Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. <clears throat> Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what you're doing here, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like it, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a hiker who is currently out on the Pacific Crest Trail, Davey Verward. Uh, welcome, to yes. the, welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, Davey. How's it going? Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, going very good. All right. How did I do with that name? I I, I, I uh, took a little pause there. I was trying to get it just right. Yeah, fair word. It's 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 tough for uh, for non Dutch people. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for for your patience with that. Um, hey, Davy, on the podcast here, we typically go by trail names. So Doc is not on my paycheck or on my driver's license. Uh, have you picked up a trail name along the way in all your travels? I have uh, picked up a trail name, yeah. Uh, so I go by the name from Captain America. Okay, and how how did that come come to you? Uh, so I I traveling with a uh, with a group with mostly Americans, uh, and they quickly noticed my big love for America, and that's from uh, small things as the nature, but also mostly from like uh, bottomless drinks and all kind of stuff like that. And uh, one of them started uh, calling me America, and then the second one said, "Yeah, because you're always in charge of the group and decide where we go and do a lot of the planning. We call you Captain America." And then the same day we were walking down a hill and we met some trail magic and at that trail magic they had uh, American flags. So then I was all the way Captain America and it suited and it sticked and everybody loved it. So we kept it. Nice. Now, if you were, if you're just listening on the, on the, uh, on the podcast, you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing out because Captain America is sitting there. You're in Kennedy Meadows right now. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, he's sitting outside at Kennedy Meadows, got this great pine tree in the background. He just pointed to his pack. He got this American flag hang, hanging off of it, and he is sporting some nice jolly gear. So uh, if you have an inclination, uh, pause this, go to YouTube, take a look at this. It, it's it's going to be a great interview. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, Captain America. How um, How's it been so far? Uh, it's been, uh, first of all, really amazing. Uh, the nature is beautiful. Uh, uh, the sun is, uh, is hot and warm. Uh, so that's the only thing that, uh, that's a bit tough for me, the sun, uh, especially where I came from. Uh, we will probably talk about that uh, a bit later. Uh, but other than that, it's going really great. Uh, one little injury, uh, but that's just because I was having too much fun and going too fast. Okay, we're going to get into some stories from the first 700 miles and what you're looking forward to in the next segment after the break. But tell me, uh, Captain America, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast at all? Uh, yes, I've listened. Uh, so I started listening to podcasts on trail 
Uh, I've listened to uh, one of your podcasts and uh, a couple other ones from other programs. Uh, before this, I was never used to into podcasts. But during hiking, uh, when it's uh, a boring section or you just need some, uh, yeah, some some uh, some some other stuff than just looking around, then uh, it's nice to uh, to listen to a podcast. Well, it always warms my heart to know that there are some hikers out there on the trail listening to Hiker Trash Radio while they're hiking. But the reason I really asked was to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode, and it's called the Hiking Hack. And that is where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Yes, I uh, I, I was aware of that, and uh, I got something uh, on the hand for that. Okay, don't don't let it go early because you're still going to be on the hook if you if you spoil it early. No, we won't. Okay. Trailblazers toolkit. That's right, Davey. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. Now, I love to talk about gear on the podcast, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest adventure gear. So if you were preparing for your next adventure, and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Now, make sure you give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you've got to have it out there. And this can be any type of item. It could be gear. It could be apparel. It could be a luxury item. So, Captain America, what is that item in your toolkit? Oh, that's going to be a, a that's a really tough one because there are so many items that are so important and uh, so nice to have. But there was one item I didn't bring in the beginning because, uh, yeah, I wanted to go lightweight and uh, not too much stuff. So I didn't bring any camp shoes. But it's so nice uh, when you come to camp and just can take off your shoes and just walk around without stepping in pine cones with your barefoot or in rocks or in other stuff. It's great for crossing rivers. So it's just, it can be a cheap pair of sandals or a, a super lightweight pair of sandals, uh, anything like that. Uh, I regretted it from the beginning. And as soon as I came to Julian, I, I bought a pair. So that would be, uh, yeah, I think my number one item uh, to recommend to, to other hikers. Okay. Now, did you go with just some lightweight sandals or I know a lot of people uh, favor Crocs out there on the trail as their camp shoe? Yeah, I saw some people with Crocs and that looked beautiful. And I was thinking, I, I want some Crocs as well, but it's quite hard to, to get them uh, because I really wanted shoes quick. So uh, I got some, uh, it's not the, all the lightest, but it's, uh, it's, it's medium light, I would say, uh, uh, sandals. Yeah. Got it. Are you familiar with Jeff Garmeyer at all? Goes by uh, no. Legend. He did the uh, calendar year triple crown and also the the uh, the Great Western Loop. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, now now you mention it, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he he ran a trail race in Crocs. Oh, that's that's amazing. Uh, yeah, he's he's a I, bit of a nut. Yeah, yeah. It's I also always been thinking it's quite funny when the, the people put the, the Crocs in the, the the sports mode. You know, when they they take the backside up. Yeah. Sport mode. I love that. I don't know that I've heard that before. Crocs yeah. in sport mode. All right. Well, hey, to keep us talking about gear a little bit more, we have... It's the hiking pole. It's the hiking pole, and that's pole spelled with two L's, like a survey, not like the thing you hold in your hand. I always like to explain that to my guests because I think I'm pretty clever for coming up with that, and everybody's reaction is pretty much the same, just like you, just a blank stare at me. So that that's okay. 
Yeah, no, I thought we were going to talk about poles, which is also I using for the first time on this hike. But uh, yeah, hit me up. Okay. So, so Captain America, this is a seven-question survey, all related to hiking-type items, that's going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from 1 to 100, with 1 being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now, anybody that's out on a long trail, like the Pacific Crest Trail, it's an automatic 25-point deduction. So your highest possible score is 75, and I think that's, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I think you have to be a bit insane to to to, to hike. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll probably score pretty low, but we'll see how we go. All right, we'll see how we go. Now, this is not rapid fire. Uh, I don't want you to just give me your, your answer. We'll move on to the next one. What I want you to do is give me your answer and then give me a little bit of explanation as to why that's your answer. Okay? All right, we do that. Yep. All right, question number one. You already addressed it a little bit, but let, let's hear some more. Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? So I never used uh, trekking poles before. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I started using trekking poles and now uh, I wouldn't go uh, without trekking poles on true hike. Uh, it's just, they take a little bit of the weight off your knees and of your legs. So it helps a lot. Uh, for me, it's also on the really steep sections where it's really, uh, where you walk on the side of cliffs. It gives you a bit more uh, confident and a bit more stability. Uh, you can, in the snowy sections, you can even use uh, one of the trekking poles as like the uh, same as an ice axe. Uh, so yeah, I, I really started loving them on this trail. Uh, you have to get a bit used to it, but that goes pretty quickly. So I would say trekking poles the whole way. Okay. Question number two, what's on your feet? Boots or trail runners? So uh, I'm used to wearing boots always, but uh, yeah, you start doing your research before you do a true hike and then you see that everybody is wearing trail runners. So uh, I also have the trail runners. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm rocking the ultras. Uh, they are great. Uh, they don't last that long. But it's just so much lighter. It's so much more comfortable. And I also think you uh, have more feeling about where you walk. You, you feel the ground more. And yeah, it's uh, it's easier, I think. Right. It, now it feels about... like going faster as well. Yes. Now, you're about 700 miles in on your, on your trip so far. Are you still in the same pair of shoes you started with? No. So I got an injury after about 300 miles. Uh, and I uh, contacted Blaze Physio and we had a, a phone call and then she uh, advised me to buy new shoes and size up. Uh, this is also probably because I was wearing spikes and they are really tight and grippy and they deformed the shoes a bit. So the ultras are really great shoes, but they're not so strong as boots. So uh, yeah, after 300 miles, I already switched shoes. So uh, that was pretty quick, but uh, yeah, I don't mind. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy that happened because be, due to that happening um, in your interaction with Morgan Brosnahan of Blaze Physio, she's the one that contacted me and said, hey, you've got to talk to Captain America who's out there right now. So <laughs> yeah. without that injury, we're not talking right now. Yeah, uh, I spoke to her before, uh, before trail even already. And uh, she made the first trail magic happen for me before I even arrived on the PCT. So I think we can talk about it later as well. But uh, yeah, that's how I got to know her. And uh, yeah, she's an amazing person for what she's doing all for the community, for all the hikers. And uh, yeah, that's just as amazing. 
Yeah, she is awesome. And listeners, if you're not familiar with Blaze Physio and you want some more information about her, just go through our back catalog. She she actually spent an episode with us and she is very, very talented. And what a great uh, trail angel out there. All right, back to the poll. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter system, you prefer tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just cowboy camp. So uh, I do sometimes cowboy camping, but I prefer the the, the tent, and then uh, mostly without the rainfly. It's just to keep the box away. I'm not a big fan of the box. Uh, the box are a really big fan of me, especially mosquito bites. So uh, it was I think three weeks ago. I uh, thought oh, let's just cowboy with my friends because they mostly cowboy, and I woke up with like I think a thirty mosquito bites or something. So uh, yeah, I sometimes still cowboy because it's just fun and it's much more quicker if you arrive late to camp. But uh, the tent definitely has the the number one pick. Yeah, I think the conditions have to be right to cowboy camp. You don't want to wake up with thirty mosquito bites. That that just sounds painful. That doesn't make yeah. for a good, good next day. No, it's it's a very itchy long next day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Question number four. When it comes to sleeping, do you prefer a sleeping bag or a quilt? Uh, so uh, I never used a quilt before, but of course it saves a couple of ounces uh, again. So uh, I went with the quilt and I'm really happy with it because uh, it, you have warm nights, you have cold nights, depending on the altitude where you are. Uh, you can open it up. And I'm uh, always used to sleeping with a uh, with a beanie on and just putting it over my eyes so uh, it's dark whenever I go to sleep if it's early or if it's late. So uh, yeah, definitely the quilt. Okay, what what's the brand name on that quilt? I have the Alighton equipment. That that seems to be everybody's go to. That that is the one of the most popular ones out there. Yeah, it's a it's a great one. Uh, they have uh, lots of options if you want to customize for colors and stuff. Uh, it's packs down really small and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, they have a great system, a great company and, uh, yeah, they make great product. And as soon as somebody starts using it on the PCT and starts writing a lot, then all people think, oh, I'm also going to use it. And then the ball starts rolling and rolling. And yeah, so now you see it everywhere. Yes. All right. Question number five, very important question here, Davey. This is a, a massive point deduction if you don't answer the right way. So when it comes to food, are you a stove guy, cold soak, or stoveless? Oh, yeah. So I'm still uh, an amateur true hiker. So I go with the stove. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm used to uh, where I'm from. Uh, we have a lot of uh, dehydrated meals. So I'm uh, I'm used to the dehydrated meals. I think they're great. They, uh, they, they pack everything. Uh, it's nice and tasty. Uh, it's not just a... a blank ramen uh they have everything combined in there they're a bit bigger and a bit heavier but uh yeah i like the taste of them so yeah uh, i'm starting to change a bit i have some i have a cold soaker next to me it looks so nice and so easy if you just stop there and just open your pot and start eating you know no preparation no nothing it saves so much time so who knows by the end of the trail but for now i'm still with the stove now, Dave, you have to give you some advice. If you decide to try cold soaking, you have to do it alone. You can't be with anybody else who has a stove because you get into camp and you're eating your cold mush and somebody else has a stove and is eating a nice hot meal. You immediately get stove envy. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we had the problem before. This uh, was one guy was hiking with us and he just uh, didn't bring just a stove. He bring a whole skillet. He had all fresh kind of vegetables. So every evening we were all sitting there and uh, it was like a little cooking show for us. We were all watching what he was cooking each night and we were just smelling and it smelled so good. 
And then every time we had to go back to our uh, to, to our bad stinky meals, and he was enjoying like a, a restaurant meal almost. Yeah, he was a backpacker with it with a skillet. Yeah, holy smokes, that's a serious luxury item. Yeah, yeah, he went lightweight on most stuff, but the food was everything for him. So he had uh, uh, fresh uh, fresh uh, vegetables, and he tried to uh, yeah carry out a lot of garlic every evening, and yeah, we were enjoying the smells a lot. Now I talked to a guy with the, with the uh, wasn't really a trail name, but the nickname of Cartapui from France, and his luxury item that he said he had to take everywhere with him on the trail was a charcuterie board, which seemed to be a little excessive to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we tried to name him the Cook or Gordon Ramsay, but he didn't want to have any of it, and uh, we lost sight of him. Now he's uh, behind us, so who knows? We'll see him again and what he will be cooking then. Yeah, that skill is weighing him down. He can't keep up. Yeah, that's probably the thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number six is life better above or below the tree line? Uh I say below. So I uh I love to be high in the mountains, but uh I love trees, especially where I'm from. There are no trees. So uh yeah, I just love seeing them. Uh uh, I love the smell of the trees, uh, the greenery. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely say below the tree line. Okay. And question number seven, the final question in the hiking poll. What's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Uh, I would say pack weight, since I don't have any real luxury items. Uh, you're walking so many miles and it's we've been uh, we just had a long stretch behind us uh, we were carrying seven days of food and uh, a lot of water because there were not a lot of water in the stretches and that made the whole trail so much harder and so much uh, tougher because it was so heavy so definitely uh, pack weight for me yeah okay and what is your base weight out there uh my base weight when i left scout and frodo's uh was uh 12 kilos so then I have to... But 20, 26 pounds? Yeah, uh, I think around 25 pounds, yeah. Yeah. With, with food and water. was it. Right. So, oh yeah, my base weight was uh, 8 kilos. Okay, so closer to what, 17 pounds? Yeah, 17 pounds, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. nice. And I heard you mention Scout and Frodo. You were able to, to stay with Scout and Frodo before you left? Yeah, I've been able to stay there and uh, that was an amazing experience. They... Uh, they have so many great stories, so many great tips. And uh, yeah, it's also great to meet a lot of people there. Yeah, they are incredible. I had Scout on the podcast to talk about his uh, PCT memoir, uh, Journeys North. And he he is so entertaining and what a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. Every evening we got a, he tells a story and uh, yeah, everybody is just uh, uh, just clustered to his voice. He tells it's so good and uh, yeah, it's a great person. Yes. All right. Hey, Davey, stand by. I've got to do a little bit of math here. I need to take your answers and put them through the John, uh, the Hiker Trash Radio algorithm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, let me see. I got to carry the three. Going to multiply by pi, and we're going to divide by root five. And I'm going to make a slight adjustment for the number of mosquito bites on your face after a night of cowboy <laughs> camping, and I come up with a score of 37. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty pretty okay. And uh, one, you know, the lower the score, the more insane you are. So you're south of 50 there. Yeah, no, I, I can be pretty uh, insane. Uh, so I think that's pretty correct. All right. Perfect. We'll get you a hat with that number uh, embroidered on it. 
Perfect. I'm aware of it with pride. <laughs> nice. That's what I like to hear. All right. So, uh, Davey, tell us a little bit about how you pay the bills in the off season. What do you What do you do to finance your adventures? What's your current day job? So, uh, my current day job, I worked in uh, in tourism business. So that's why it was easy for me to take a, to take a half year off. I skipped the whole summer season. Uh, so I live originally on uh, Svalbard now for the last two and a half years. And uh, we work with sled dogs there. So I work for uh, a big company called uh, Green Dog on Svalbard. And we take uh, tourists on uh, sled dog rides, uh, most of it. And then in summer, we also do some hiking trips. But it's all completely focused uh, on the dogs, of course. So we do all kinds of stuff with the dogs. Now, you have to tell our listeners, where is Svalbard? Uh, Svalbard, it's, uh, if you go on the map, it's all the way north. It's uh, the closest destination you could get to the to the North Pole. So everything in uh, our town has a sign that says uh, the northernmost pub, the northernmost fuel station, the northernmost everything. So it's a, it's a little community from uh, around 2,500 people, uh, way, way up north. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit in the middle of nowhere. And which country is it in? Uh, it's officially uh, part of Norway. So Norway operates it. But it has, uh, yeah, it has a couple of, uh, of strange rules because uh, it's also a visa-free country, so everybody can come and go there. It's, uh, but uh, in the end, it's Norway that operates it. Yeah. So if it's visa-free, does that does that bring in a lot of tourists? Is it pretty popular? A pretty popular de- destination for travelers. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty popular destination. In winter, uh, we have three months of darkness, so that's a lot of chance to see northern lights. So uh, a lot of people like that. Uh, we have snow uh, the whole long time. And yeah, people just want to say they were all the way up north. Uh, the visa-free part is uh, for normally that uh, we got a lot of people of every country. So uh, in my company, uh, they, I think uh, everybody's from a different nationality. Right. Now, what is the temperature? What are, what are the weather conditions typically at, at Svalbard? So in the winter, we uh, go up to around... Uh, minus 20, minus 25, that's the, the, the top. And in summer, we most of the time go average temperature of 15 degrees plus. That's all Celsius. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Now, how, how big how big is the town? Without the tourists, don't count the tourists. What is the population of, of the town? Uh, it's 2,500 in high season. And then in low season, it maybe goes goes down with another 500. Uh, and uh, it's it's a really small town. Uh, me, my, I, myself, I live at the dockyard and that's outside of town even. So I don't even live in the town. Now, a town that size, I have to imagine that pretty much everybody knows everybody. Yes, yes. It's a small town. Uh, if something happens, everybody knows about it. And uh, it's also quite nice because uh, there's, all, there's uh, as good as no uh, criminality because uh, nothing gets stolen because everybody knows exactly where it is. Sometimes something gets misplaced after somebody goes to the pub and takes the wrong jacket home. But uh, yeah, it's a really nice small community and uh, uh, we do a lot of stuff together and everybody knows each other. So yeah, that's uh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful small community up north. Now, what is the most popular drink in the bars up there? Uh, I would say beer. Beer goes the quickest. Yeah, yeah. The good old beer. That is, uh, everybody likes that. That's right. The old standby. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, what about polar bears? Any any polar bear sightings up there? Uh, so yeah, we do have polar bears there. 
uh, especially in winter when the, the winter ice is, uh, uh, we connect it with Svalbard. Then the official number is around 3,000 polar bears. But that's with the whole pack ice of the North Pole combined. So on the island itself, it's, I think, around three, 350. Uh, so you see them not regularly, definitely not. But uh, if you really want to see them, you can, you, you can find them. But the thing is, uh, as soon as you leave town, there's a big sign, uh, a triangle sign with a big polar bear in the middle. All the tourists go there because they want to make a picture with the polar bear sign. It's the most famous spot of all the town. But as soon as you cross that sign, uh, you have to carry a flare gun and a rifle uh, to be able to protect yourself and to protect the guests. So it's, uh, it's not something that you take up your tent and you go outside and you go for a little sleep because uh, you have to have some protection uh, around your tent or uh, somebody awake at night because, yeah, you never know. Now, we talk occasionally about bear encounters uh, on Hiker Trash Radio because it happens on the AT, it happens uh, on the, the CDT up in, in Wyoming and in Montana. And we talk about black bears, we talk about grizzly bears, but polar bears, that's a whole, that's a whole different category. Yeah, they they are uh, they are huge. They they are a different animal in uh, in all of that. So the the good thing is they they won't uh, chase after people uh, because they eat seals and uh, they have much more fat, and that's what they really like to eat. So most of the times they uh, are close to the water edge or on the ice. Uh, so that's why it's most of the time uh, pretty safe, but you always get young polar bears that are just growing up or really hungry polar bears. So it could always get dangerous. And there's always the, the stories of things that, uh, that, that go wrong. Now, hang on, Captain America. How, how does a polar bear know that your average human has less fat than a seal unless he's tried a human? Uh, oh, they, they can smell that, you know. Seal have a distinct smell because I know that. Uh, I've seen a couple of seals and uh, we also use uh, some seal fat for the dark sometimes. And yeah, they have a, a real distinct smell. So yeah, and uh, I think they can smell seal from uh, up to a kilometer away, even underneath the ice. So uh, yeah, they have such a good smell. So they know exactly what they want and they know exactly what they're looking for. Got it. Now, when I'm talking about regular bears, I, I say to, to my listeners, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the guy you're hiking with. But I guess exactly. in, this case, in this case, you don't have to be faster than than the polar bear. You just have to be faster than the seal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the seal dives in the hole and is in the water. So then, then you are in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. And the and they are fast. They can run fast if they uh, if they want it. Uh, yeah. No, but we always uh, carry protection. And uh, in the end, it's uh, still a protected species, the polar bear. So we never try to shoot them. It's the last, last, last resort. So we most of the times use uh, use flare guns to to just scare them away. And as soon as there's a polar bear close to town or whatever, uh, the police comes in actions with the helicopters, and they they just make a lot of noise to to chase him away. And that's the that's the number one thing. And that's the thing you always see. That it's just making a lot of noise, so he will go away and know this is not for him. Yeah, you don't want the polar bears getting comfortable with coming into town like it's their own private grocery store. That can, no that's a nightmare. Yeah, no, we don't want that. No, especially when it's three months of darkness. I mean, that sounds like a horror movie. 
Yeah, yeah, because you don't see them coming. They're suddenly standing standing next to you, and then, uh, yeah, he's probably also a bit shook up, but we are way more shook up. And that's why it's great that uh, we are working with dogs, because they have good noses, and they can smell the, the, the polar bears from far away as well. Yeah. Now, in your excursions up there with the dogs and the dog sleds, have you had any incidents with, with polar bears? Uh, so I've been working there now for about two and a half years, and I didn't have any incidents. Uh, one of my colleagues had an incident, but it was about nine years ago. Okay, well, that's, a, that's a pretty good track record then. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, one polar bear this year. We have a cabin about uh, three kilometers away from our, our dockyard. Uh, there was a polar bear with a cup, uh, so a little baby. And it was just uh, teaching and showing the baby how to get into the cabins and stuff. And we can see that from our uh, dockyard because we are on the top of the hill. But the police was not doing anything because it was just our cabin and it was just empty. There were no people there. So they leave the polar bear alone. And he was for two days in our cabin and completely destroyed the whole thing. They went into the really small window that you think they cannot fit through there. And then at some point he went out through the wall, just straight through the wall. They don't care. They're so strong. And they were just having fun and playing with the cushions and, and the sleeping bags and everything. And yeah, we were just watching from far away with a big tailor lens and just thinking, oh, there goes our beautiful cabin. And yeah, there's nothing you can do. In through a window and out through the wall. No one has taught this bear how to use the door, evidently. No, no, no. And the door is locked, you know, big locks on the door, but they don't care. If they want to go in, they go in. They are uh, they are really big, big animals. Fantastic. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from the advertisers, pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, current trail conditions, how it's been on the, on the PCT, and what you're looking forward to or not looking forward to as you – are in the shadow of the Sierra. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yes, thank you. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, 
Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Davey Verward, uh, also known as Captain America. Did I do all right there? Yeah, that was almost perfect. Almost perfect. All right. That's what I'm looking for. Almost perfect. Um, And we've heard a little bit about uh, his... Uh, hobbies in the, on the North Pole way he way he earns his money. Uh, polar bear stories. Hey, did you grow up? Where did you grow up? We didn't cover that. I grew up in the Netherlands uh, in a small city next to Rotterdam. And as soon as I started t- studying, I, I moved to to Rotterdam. Okay. And how did you get involved in the whole dog sledding and through hiking uh, pursuit? Yes. So I worked for about 14, 15 years in the harbor of Rotterdam. It's a really busy 24-7 uh, yeah, work uh, environment. And at some point in my life, I just said, uh, this is enough. I, uh, I want to enjoy my life more. I want to be more in nature because I always liked hiking and like sleeping outside and stuff like that. So at that point, I said, uh, this is it. I'm going to stop. And then I just went on uh, on a holiday to Norway to for do some hiking and uh, in, in Tromsø. And then I found out about uh, all these dog companies. And I just started looking on Google for a company. And I ended up in Svalbard. I never heard about it. But uh, yeah. And since, I mean, two and a half years, uh, I never left. And in that same period, when I was uh, quitting my, uh, my job, I also was thinking uh, I need a new adventure, a new something to look forward to. And then is when I started uh, Googling about uh, nice hikes. Then I found out the word true hike, which I never heard before. And then I started uh, researching true hikes. And uh, that's how I ended up with uh, the, the PCT. Okay. Now, did you have any experience with training dogs or or uh, dog mushing before you applied to, to the, the company? Zero experience. Zero experience. My only experience has been uh, offshore oil platforms, uh, big oil ships, oil tankers, and stuff like that. So nothing with dogs. I didn't even have a dog because I always was working. So yeah. You did oil deep sea oil platforms as well. Uh, I've been on ships that lay the pipes from oil platform to oil platform. Was that in the North Sea? Uh, I did uh, two projects in the North Sea and I did two projects in the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. Now, North Sea weather and, and sea conditions, it can be pretty dicey, pretty uh, pretty dangerous at times. Did you get to experience any of that? Uh, yes. Uh, on the ship where I worked, uh, we were three months on the ship 
and I maybe work three days. All the other days, the waves spread too high, and then they cannot put the put the pipeline down. So we were most of the time just on the ship, not working, and just uh, gliding in the waves all day long because the weather was just so bad, especially in the winter in uh, in the North Sea. Just the waves can get so high, we just couldn't work. So yeah, I didn't mind because I still got paid, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, an experience. Okay. Now, I understand your interest in hiking and, and backpacking. When did you first become aware that there was a, a footpath that goes all the way from Mexico to Canada? And you could you could walk the entire thing, 2,600 plus miles. Do you remember when you first found out about that? Yeah, that's uh, just before I, I started moving to Svalbard. I just started for an, uh, looking for a new adventure and uh, a new challenge. And then is when I started uh, to to find out about true hiking, and uh, yeah, I seen the movie Wild before, but I never connected the dots. And then uh, yeah, I just started uh, googling, and then I saw the AT, the CDT, uh, the the Aura, New Zealand, and then uh, in the end, I picked the PCT because it was uh, it's for me it looks like the most diverse with nature, and that's what I like the most: uh, the diverse nature, the desert, the Sierras. Uh, Washington, Oregon. Uh, so yeah, about two and a half years, I found out that that was a possibility. And quite quickly after that, I said, okay, this is a possibility. So now I'm going to do it. Okay. Now this is a 2,650 mile path from Mexico to Canada. Have you ever done anything like this before? What What is your biggest backpacking trip prior to showing up to the Mexican border? Uh, I've done nothing like this before. My biggest trip was around four or five days uh, in, in Tromso uh, with a way too heavy backpack. It was way too heavy because I had no clue about lightweight stuff and everything. So I had no experience at all. And what what are you, when you showed up uh, and you're down there at the border, what, what's going through your mind? What, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I was just uh, mostly happy to start the adventure and to finally be here because the preparation took so long. Uh, I had this in my mind for, for two and a half years. So when I finally was there, uh, I was just so happy. I just wanted to get started. And then as soon as you start, then you find out that a mile is pretty far. And then, oh, it takes me pretty long to walk a mile. And now I have to walk so many, many more. So, uh, yeah, you just have to get your head around it and then just uh, step, uh, put one foot another in front of the other and just keep on going. Yes. And did you do any kind of uh, physical training or some overnights to test out your gear prior to showing up for the PCT? Uh, so I, I tested my gear a bit. Uh, I didn't do any overnights because that's just too many hustle in Svalbard with the whole polar bears and stuff. But I did uh, do a little bit of hiking. I wish I trained more before, uh, just like physical, because uh, yeah, in the first 700 miles, there is not one muscle or one bone in my legs or foot that didn't hurt once. Uh, I always read on the internet, oh, you, your trail legs will come and blah, blah, blah. And they arrived at the end of the desert now. But uh, yeah, I wish I had them sooner because uh, the first 700 miles in the desert, it's, uh, it's the learning steps, but it's nice if your body is uh, more capable than than mine was. Yeah, you beat me to the punch. I was going to say that, that you know there's two schools of thought about training. One is that you know the, the more prepared you're going to be, the more physical in shape, more training you've done. And the other school of thought is just like you said, you know the, the you will get your trail legs eventually. And so yeah, why train for it? You're gonna you're gonna get it eventually. And 
right, which which school of thought do you belong to now? I, I I was a I was a bit cocky in the beginning. I said, ah, oh, I got this. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm I'm getting a bit older, but I'm still fit enough. I work outside with dogs. You know, it's heavy work. It's it's gonna be easy, but uh, no. If I do this again, I would definitely recommend everybody to definitely do some training. Uh, I also find out that Blaze has a great training programs, and uh, yeah, just get because you are using muscles here that you are not used to using. You are walking with the pack all day. Uh, it it just gives you so much comfort if your body is a bit more trained for it than than mine was. Now, how how old are you, Captain America? I'm thirty six. And a lot of people, nobody gives me 36. So it's always funny to, to hear that. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it's something in the North Pole or whatever. But uh, yeah, 36 already. And do they, they guess that you're younger than 36 or older? Oh, they guess me around 26 to 28 most of the time. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, yeah, something in, the, something in the weather up there in the Arctic Circle has done wonders for you. Yeah, probably. That's what I keep saying to them. Come all to the Arctic. <laughs> It may be that your head's on a swivel, always looking for the next polar bear. It's just uh, kept you kept you youth youthful. But probably that could be it. Yeah, who never knows. <laughs> All right. So we heard about the injury a little bit, but how other than the injury, how would the first seven hundred miles been? Do you have any good stories uh, or or memories from the first seven hundred? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a lot of a lot of stories about that. So uh, on the the first day uh, was a rough day. Uh, because yeah, I'm from the North Pole. When I left uh, home, it was minus 15. So I arrived, and uh, you start with a little climb, and then up there you got to a place, and then there's no shade. And I was just walking, and it was getting so hot. It was in the middle of the day, so that was a really, really tough first day. But after that day, also starting meeting people, and uh, the trail family started started uh, growing and, and and making place. And then, uh, so I started off with not too many miles. Uh, the third day, we only did six miles. And then we saw the first sign and it said Trail Magic. Uh, we saw, oh, that's lucky. The third day already Trail Magic. So we went in there. We arrived at the Trail Magic at 10 o'clock in the morning on the campsite. And we just enjoyed it and we enjoyed it and we kept enjoying it and we never left. So that was the third day. We only did six miles and we stayed the whole day at the Trail Magic. We slept at the Trail Magic. We ate breakfast there. And then the next day we did 20 miles. And then my legs said, what is happening here? You know, they, they just, they didn't know what was happening. Yeah, so now, uh, at that rate, at that rate, it might take you, you know, eight months to finish. Yeah. Yeah. And in the beginning we were a lot of uh, hiking hard and then also partying hard. So that was uh, maybe the, the, the wrong, uh, the wrong take on it. We now uh, are doing more average 20, 25 miles a day. So uh, yeah, it's going much better now. Uh, but yeah, the the people you meet on the trail, the trail magic, uh, that's what surprised me the most. And that's also what sticks with me the most is, uh, yeah, the, the whole community, the whole the hiking community, how all the people are. Uh, that is just amazing. And what else sticked me for the first 700 miles is, of course, uh, the views, uh, it's so beautiful out here. Uh, the sun is hot, but also the sunrise and the sunsets, they are amazing. Um, and what was kind of new for me is all the switchbacks because you go up and down a lot on the PCT. Uh, it's been a bit tough for me in the beginning, all the up and down, up and down. 
Uh, but I'm used to in Europe, we go more straight up. We see a mountain, we go up and over it. And here you do a lot of switchbacks and then you see the top of the mountain and then you walk along the ridge. You don't go over the mountain, no, you walk on the side and then you go to the next and a little bit more up. So uh, it's been a learning curve. It's been uh, amazing so far. I mean, enjoying it. Of course, uh, everybody has his rough days. And on those days, you're always thinking, what am I doing here? And uh, is this really up for me? But uh, if you come to camp and then you're happy again and then you see I made it, it wasn't all that hard. It was easier than you thought it would be. Uh, and then you come to camp and then you trail families there and then you have a laugh, you cook and uh, most of the time go to bed quick, pretty early because you're just tired. But yeah, that's what's, what makes it uh, so special and so great, the, the people around you. That's right. Have you been introduced to the, the uh, topic of Hiker Midnight? Uh, yeah, but I'm now not sure. Is it eight o'clock or nine o'clock? But yeah, it's, it's getting earlier and earlier for us. Yeah. It used to be nine o'clock. Maybe it's eight o'clock now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, so we have a group, we have a bit of uh, different ages and then, uh, we're already saying, uh, the kids will stay up longer, but I need to go to bed. Eight o'clock is late enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Several times out there. I never made it to hiker midnight. It was, you know, you eat, you eat dinner, get your tent set up and, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and especially uh, in uh, this this hot desert sections, uh, we like to start early and then just take a, a huge break in the, in the afternoon because it's just just too hot and there's not a lot of shade. So that was a, a great way of hiking. A lot of uh, hours in the morning and a lot of hours in the evening, and then you get to camp. You you take your shoes off, you relax a bit, you cook, and after that you almost straight away go to bed because yeah, your body is just so tired. Yeah, and we've said we've said desert a few times now, but. Also in that, in those first 700 miles, you have what, uh, what scout calls sky islands where you do go up these switchbacks and you hit some serious elevation, uh, for a little bit. What are the, it, this is a very snowy year, rainy year, snowy year in California. What are some of the conditions uh, at the top of, of some of those switchbacks? So, uh, we went up San Jacinto. It was, uh, pretty early. Some people were still going around it. And yeah, they were co completely in the snow. Uh, pretty early on, you already hit snow. And normally you have the steep uh, sections on the side and you look down and you think, oh, this is pretty steep. But now it's all snow and it's super slippery. And uh, I'm used to snow because, yeah, I live in the North Pole, of course. But this is completely different because this is almost mountaineering. Uh, it takes the speed out of you mostly. Uh, a section on San Jacinto, we did uh, eight miles in seven hours. That's, well, normally we can hit like uh, each hour three miles. So that just, yeah, it just takes everything away from you. You have to be very careful. You have to watch where you step. And uh, you have to get up early when the snow is still hard. Uh, we knew starting this that it was a high snow year. Uh, I also think it's it's it has some fun. It is an adventure. It is a, a bit more difficult. Each year is different. So uh, yeah, it's it's great, but it's you have to take your time and and be safe out there. Right now, how big is your trail family? Uh, so we have a trail family about five, and then we have a bubble of people coming and going and coming and going. So you see a lot of times the same same people around. Yeah. We lost a couple of people and now we gained some. So, but we have the five core members. They are still there, but we're getting at a really difficult uh, cross section now where a lot of trail families get torn apart and ours maybe as well. Uh, 
So after this uh, this call, we're gonna have a big meeting, and then uh, we will decide uh, what's up next for us. That's right. Trail families are always a little bit fluid. You've got uh, new members coming, uh, existing members leaving. And I think people have a misconception about uh, hiking in groups out on trails like the PCT. You don't hike right in a row with people. You're not you're not marching on each other's heels. It looks very, very different than that. Tell us about how that works. Yeah. So uh, most of the time uh, in the evening when we come to camp, we just talk together. We say, how was your day? And then we make a plan for the next day. We look where the water sources are. We look uh, how much miles we're going to do approximately. And then most of the time we say, okay, this is a nice uh, break spot. And then everybody starts hiking at their own time. There's some people that like to start really early because they hike a bit slower. There's some people that like to uh, sleep in a bit because they're a bit more lazy. And uh, uh, But you always see each other on the trail. But most of the time you all hike alone. And then we all know where we are going to camp the day before because we agreed that. So we all see each other in camp. And then the first person arrives in camp early and the last person arrives at camp maybe an hour later uh, or in this uh, lunch spot. We all see each other there. And sometimes I hike a little bit together with somebody and have a little talk, a little chat. Uh, But then uh, quickly the other one has a slower pace or a faster pace. Uh, it's all depending if you go uphill or downhill because I'm a real downhill person, but I have a person in my uh, my group who is, uh, is 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 really tiny but super fast uphill, so it's really annoying annoys me always. But uh, yeah, most of the time you you hike alone, uh, you see the people on the switchbacks far away or far behind you, uh, but you all meet up at the same uh, same spot or the same camp spot. Yeah, th- those speedy hikers that go uphill, I'm really jealous of. I I I, I can't do that. And uh, I, it's frustrating. Yeah, I was really annoyed in the beginning because I was thinking, I'm I'm Dutch, I have huge legs, you know, I I got this, and then this this tiny person behind me and just flies up the hill, and I'm thinking, how is this possible? How is this possible? So annoying, and I keep trying to go faster and faster, but it's just not not working. And then I'm not used to heat, and and they are. So uh, yeah, it's uh, but everybody has their own pace, and everybody makes their. Uh, uh, makes their days and that's makes their miles and that's what's important. Now, as you are heading into the Sierras, I mean, what have you heard? What do you know about the Sierras? Has anybody else ventured into the Sierras this early? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, followed a lot of people on Instagram. It's a great, uh, great social media to see what people are doing because everybody's posting. And, uh, for a couple of weeks now, people are already getting in. I follow somebody uh, who is now almost true. Uh, he says it's uh, all pretty doable and pretty easy, uh, but he has mountaineering experience. I know that. He is strong. He's a super athlete. Uh, and the most thing is the snow has started melting, so it's it's wet. Uh, there's still a lot of snow, so you'll be walking in snow a lot, a lot of difficult traverses in snow. Uh, but the biggest fear for uh, most of my trail families are are the rivers, because there's a lot of snow. It's all start melting, so the rivers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I heard some stories that the, some of the snow bridges start collapsing now, and then it's really difficult to get over the rivers. So people are definitely getting in and getting over and getting out. Uh, but it's all uh, what people are feeling comfortable with. Everybody has different skill levels. Everybody feels different with uh, different situations. 
So uh, yeah, that's it's it's a difficult situation, but uh, I'm seeing here now at Kennedy Meadows, and I still see a lot of people that say uh, we want to enjoy the Sherbas more. So why don't we come back for it later and uh, just do the rest first, and then come back for the Sherbas at the end? And are you considering doing that flip flopping, or are you going to go straight through? Uh, so I uh, I'm about fifty fifty in the moment. Uh, you also seen recent past years that there were fires and that there were closures and I also don't want that to happen. So if I skip the Sierras, I have less chance of the, the fire season, uh, less box in, in, in the, the stage further on. So, uh, but it's also of course nice to just do the whole way in one direction. So all the, all the, the mileage signs are still the normal and the same. It saves a lot of logistics, uh, so it's it's a really difficult decision, but uh, in the end, uh, I have a great trail family, and uh, I'm really happy with them. And if they all want to flip, then I also want to flip. If they want to go in, then I also go in. I feel pretty comfortable with both. But uh, I'm a swimmer. I love to swim, and there is so many rivers and lakes that I just wanted to camp out at, but I couldn't because we had to make the miles of the day. And there are so many beautiful lakes in the Sierras that now are still underneath the snow. So that's also a heavy thing for me. Uh, I will enjoy the Sierras if I do it now, but I will have way more fun if I do it later on. Uh, and you have to be flexible. So uh, I think it will go, we will probably hike into the Sierras now until Lone Pine and then base our, our decisions off, based off of that. Got it. Got it. Now, if someone does go into the Sierras at this time, you know the danger is twofold. There, you have the the high snow, which is not only tedious to hike in, but it could be also you know slippery and icy conditions in very uh, exposed locations. And then also, you mentioned the the lakes, not the lakes, but the rivers, the river crossings. The rivers are going to be swollen; they're going to be fast moving. They could be dangerous. And I've heard that there's a, a couple of of bridges, a couple of key bridges that are currently out right now, which is going to cause a problem for for hikers out there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's also a, a really big point. Uh, there's a couple of bridges that are not uh, that are just broken and won't be fixed quick as well. So then you have to go around. Uh, but normally there's roads you can get hitches, but all the roads are still closed because of all the major snow. So uh, it's also a thing you have to carry a lot of food uh, because some uh, places that you normally resupply are still closed or are not open. So there's a lot of challenges. Uh, so you can you cannot follow 100% the way you want to follow because you have to go around the bridge. You have to go back down and then and back up into the Sierras. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just a whole adventure and it brings a lot of difficulties. Yeah, if someone goes into the Sierras at this time, what kind of gear do they need to bring with them? What what is what is a must have out there in these conditions? Uh, so uh, I. Most people's advice crampons, uh, spikes is definitely a must-have uh, for, the, for the extra grip you need. With the crampons, you have more grip, you're more safer. And then uh, for safety reasons, it's just the ice axe. Because if you start falling and start sliding, you need something to, to, to stop you uh, because these, these ridges can go on for on and on and uh, you can really hurt yourself or, or even, even worse. Uh, so... If you go in now, I would definitely recommend uh, recommend an ice axe just for your safety. So if you fall down, you can arrest yourself. You can get back up, and uh, uh, yeah, that's that's most important. 
Yeah, one of our former guests who spends a lot spends a lot of time in the New England states and climbing, doing some peak bagging up there. He talked about the importance of not just carrying an ice axe, but knowing how to use it. I mean, that ice axe isn't going to do you any good if you don't know how to use it properly. Do you have any suggestions on how to properly use an ice axe in conditions like that? Uh, so what it is with the, with the whole situation, uh, it's it's not super difficult with ice axe because in the end you just have to fall on it. But what the thing is, if you start sliding or whatever, you will be super stressed your body will go into overdrive. Thinking is really hard and you only have seconds. So what you have to do is train with it and train with it and train with it so it becomes automatically. So if you slide or if you fall, your body automatically falls and turns around and falls on that ice axe so you grip in because you don't have time to think if you start going. Your body will be uh, yeah, completely stressed and doesn't know what's going on. So it has to be an automatic pilot almost uh, for you to to know what to do. Right. Now you mentioned hitches before just recently. Um, what, what is, how many hitches have you taken and is there a, a, a favorite hitch so far? Uh, uh, how many hitches? Uh, many, many hitches we have taken. Uh, there have been uh, a couple of funny ones. Uh, we've been stopped by the cops once because we were in the back of a pickup truck, but it was not allowed. We didn't know. It was a very friendly cop. He just gave the driver a warning and uh, explained to us all the possible possible realities of, of dying of being in the back of a truck. So, uh, But we had one uh, hitch. It was uh, me and another girl. And we were picked up by... Uh, uh, where was it? I think it was close to PVC. And this guy just kept on talking that we had to really be careful of the Sasquatches out there and uh, they are dangerous and uh, he know ex exactly all the locations. And uh, he says, if you see a boot somewhere, that's probably somebody who's eaten by Sasquatch. And he just talked about Sasquatches for half an hour and we just sat there, listened and enjoyed the conversation a, a lot. It was, it was definitely uh, one of our most fun hitches uh, of all, yeah. Nice. couple of follow-up questions on that. Did you tell the police officer who was lecturing you about being in the back of a truck, did you tell him that, hey, I'm from the North Pole and we, we ride around in the back of trucks all the time. It's safe. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything. You know, I, I love my, I love to stay here in America. I don't want to, to fool around with the police officers. They're just doing their job. They're nice people. So I just kept on the background and let the, the driver and the, and the police officer uh, figure it out. And I just, uh, I just took some pictures. Smart guy. Smart guy. And also, um, you know, what is the more dangerous creature, polar bear or the Sasquatch? Uh, I would say the Sasquatch then, because uh, the, the polar bears are not after humans. But if I had heard all these stories, the, the Sasquatch take quite a lot of people, uh, is what he said. But uh, yeah, the government all covers it up. That's, uh, that's his explanation. But uh, yeah, if I hear something knocking, I'm always looking what, what's happening. But uh, yeah, every time I look, I see, I see a woodpecker. So for now, I'm still safe. Wasn't a squatch knock. It was it was a woodpecker and uh, Sasquatch. I mean, he is the the ultimate champion of hide and seek because he is so so difficult to find. Yeah, oh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing one. Uh, there's people who already saw a bear. Uh, I, I'm I'm also uh, really hoping to seeing one. Not uh, not too close, of course. But uh, yeah, I love the, the the animals in the nature. The only one I don't want to see again is the rattlesnake. I saw him twice already, and uh, that's more than enough for me because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it's, it still scares me a bit. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of rattlesnakes up in, in Svalbard. 
No, no. Uh, uh, even not snakes or bugs or any of that. It's just uh, we don't have any of them. No mosquitoes, no uh, snakes, no flies, nothing. Wow. And the fact that it's no visa, I mean, the fact that you said that now, um, no bugs, no snakes, um, you know, it's going to increase the tourist uh, population up there. Yeah. And you can you can run your podcast from there. You know, it's uh, yeah, you're welcome to join. Can I can I do it from that cabin or is it is it polar bear proof yet? Uh, yeah, cabins are, they're not polar bear proof, but uh, you have gone and you're pretty safe in the cabin. We, yeah, you we can put a dog next to it and he will alarm you at night. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right. Hey, you've got 1,900 miles roughly left to go. What are you most looking forward to? Or maybe not most, but what, what are some, some stretches of the trail that you have heard about and you're looking forward to experiencing firsthand? Uh... Uh, Crater Lake, uh, I think that's beautiful. I saw some stuff from there, and and that's just beautiful. But uh, for me, uh, it's just whole Washington and Oregon because it's so green. Uh, it's so many great views I've heard. Uh, there are some great lakes, some great rivers, so some great swimming for me. And uh, uh, and in the end, it's it's everything because it's so diverse. So I also wanted to see the Sierras, the the blue, the the glacier lakes, and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, Washington, Oregon is, I think, what I'm looking mostly forward to. Okay. Now you talked a little bit earlier about your your tramley and how some get up early, some sleep in, some get to camp late, some some get there first. Uh, wh- what category do you fall into? Do you, are you one of those early risers? Get after it real quick with those huge legs of yours, or do, do you like to sleep in? Uh, it's quite funny. So uh, I try to get up early. It's most of the time difficult. So I always snooze a little bit. But it's uh, really funny. As soon as we get close to town or it's town day, then my family already knows. And then in the evening, they say, okay, we, see, we will see you in town. Because as soon as it's town day, uh, I get up really early and I, I, I almost run to town because that's, that are my days. Uh, so, yeah, most of the times I, uh, I'm, I'm quite up early. I start slow in the morning because uh, I'm not a morning person. And uh, I arrive in camp also uh, quite pretty early. But if it's town day, uh, then there's no keeping up with me because then then I'm flying. That's also why I got my first injury because I just flew down a mountain, which I should not have done. I heard afterwards, but yeah, that's uh, that's when I go uh, full speed. Now, I mean, what what is the allure of town? What what do you do on a town day that's so exciting to you? Uh, all the Amer- all the uh, all the great American food is for me the thing. We tried so many fast food bars, but also a street barbecue. Uh, uh, bottomless drinks so I can drink some something else and only water or uh, or the other the stuff I drink it's just uh, a little bit back to civilization you know the the food and the drinks yeah that that get me nice and do you have a favorite American food so far so far it's definitely the the barbecue the street barbecue yeah yeah it's it's amazing Uh, when I know they have that then uh, I will dream about it the night before I wake up at four in the morning and I start walking yeah, that's one of the three items that that hikers uh, talk about on the trail all the time. You know, one is food, the other is is bodily movements, and the third is probably gear. Uh, that that's pretty much the entirety of conversation out there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, what we talk a lot about with uh, hiking when you meet hikers on the way, and then they always say, uh, "Do you know if there's trail magic up ahead?" Because it's not a town day, but you still get those drinks and there's food sometimes. So, yeah, trail magic is also uh, a word you hear a lot. 
And uh, yeah, that's also uh, yeah one of my favorite words in uh, for the true hiking, the trail magic. That's just uh, that's just amazing. Yeah. Now, best trail magic ever for you would probably be a food truck specializing in barbecue up up just uh, crossing the trail. Yeah, yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. So if you know somebody, send them ahead, and uh, I will see them there. I, I think Blaze Physio, in addition to all of her medical treatments, I mean, she should include some barbecue in her trail magic. Uh, yeah, that, that that would be great. I don't know if the the dog will eat it all, but uh, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Now we know that this is your first major expedition like this, and I want to know what were your, you know were your expectations going in? Did they match the reality of what you're experiencing? How how is reality different than what you expected on this trip so far? Uh, I thought it would be uh hard to say. Uh, sometimes a bit more easier, maybe. It's it's tougher than I imagined. Uh, it's long days, and uh, yeah, what I said, I really enjoy the nature, and sometimes you cannot enjoy it for to the fullest because you have to keep on going you have to make up miles and then i see a beautiful spot in a beautiful river and i think oh, i would love to camp here and uh, and and just hang out here all day but no we have to make 25 miles we agreed on that so you have to keep on going so it's just uh yeah the the making of the making miles and uh it's all a bit bigger than expected as well fantastic well, Davey, hey, you know where we are right now? Uh, at the recommendation. You are right on. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Hiking hacks. That's right. It's time for Captain America to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, Davey, what do you have for us? So, uh, my uh, experience in that is just be flexible. It's just one word, flexible, because uh, you are hiking in Mother Nature. Uh, you never know what happens. Uh, also, with your own body, there's always something can happen. Uh, so don't stick to your plans or say, I have to do this or I have to do that. Just be flexible. And if you do that, you can enjoy it also much more because there is much less, less of st uh, uh, stress of planning or I have to do this or I have to do that. Uh, just be flexible because your plans will always change. Uh, there can always be a snowstorm, a weather storm, uh, a fire or whatever. So just be flexible and, and enjoy it. That's that's the most important thing I have to say. Uh, enjoy it. Yeah, that's, that's a great piece of advice. You have to be flexible. Everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the nose. And then yeah. everything kind of goes out the window. So, I mean, you, you can do all the planning you want, plan for all the logistics, map out where you're going to camp every single night. And then day one, you don't make it to that first campsite. You need to, you need to know how to adjust. Yeah, exactly. And as long as you're flexible and you, you got that mindset of being flexible, then it, it will all come to place. The, the trail provides, uh, that's also definitely, that's something that I always, when you think it goes to the worst, then the trail provides and you get some trail magic or you get something else. And, uh, as long as you got that flexible mindset, uh, you will get there. And if it's not uh, today, then it will be tomorrow. And uh, as long as you enjoy yourself, then it's all fine. Right. I mean, maybe you miss your campsite on the day you're planning for. But because of that, you run into some good barbecue on the trail the next day. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, we, we saw it a lot. We had the people around us that had like Trill Magic for days and days, and we kept on missing it, and then we got so pissed. And then suddenly we had Trill Magic four days in a row, and it's like, yeah, you know, the Trill provides, and uh, what happens, happens. Just enjoy it. All right, so there you have it. We are just about done here. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Captain America. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Davey, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media, and where can they find updates on your adventure out there on the trail? So uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, uh, that's uh, solo.hike. Uh, I uh, try to write a daily post, but of course there's no internet, so I have to catch up sometimes on my posts. But uh, it's also for family, for friends, and for everybody who wants to know. Uh, I post on Instagram. If they have any questions, they're more than welcome uh, to to, uh, to ask me, to send me a DM, and I'm uh, happy to uh, to answer all of them. All right. Remember to check out Hiker Trash Radio on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share with me, you can send it to me at hikertrashradio at gmail.com. Off the beaten path. Now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fix. So, Davey, I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a book or a movie or a documentary. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path. What do you have for us? Uh, so where all my inspiration came from is uh, from all the fellow hikers, from all the the, the, the fellow people. Uh, there are so many great uh, documentaries on YouTube. Uh, that's where I got all my, uh, my inspiration from. So uh, if you find a hike, if you find a hike that you want to do, Go on YouTube, type in that hike, and there's so many people who already did it and just uh, can tell you about their great experiences. Uh, that's mostly my my advice I would have, yeah. And then there's, I don't think I have a specific one that I really like because every year is different. The one year they had a, a dry year, the one they have a snow year. But uh, yeah, YouTube is full of them. Okay. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss so far in the hike for you? Uh, so, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about it, but uh, just bef- uh, the trail magic. Uh, it's just before uh, I started uh, hiking, I already got the trail magic through Blaze Fisio. Uh, there was an old hiker who wanted to give his GPS device, his Garmin device away. So I got that one for free. And then he wants to give that to me. So he picked me up from the airport and then he brought me to the, to Scout of Frodo's. So uh, all thanks, uh, thanks to Firefly, uh, to, yeah, to, to all the to people doing our trail magic out there. And it even inspired me myself as well, uh, to do a little trail magic. So, uh, when we arrived at LA, at Hikertown to LA Aqueduct, I just, uh, I bought a whole box of cliff bars. I bought uh, 200 glow sticks. I put on far out that uh, everybody that wanted to join our night race could get uh, free glow sticks and uh, and a free cliff bar. And uh, we ended up with uh, 12 people starting that night hike. And uh, yeah, that was a great experience. Uh, so uh, I just see also hikers now that take a week off and just renting a car and driving hikers around. So uh, yeah, trail magic is amazing. And uh, what they all say, just pay it forward. So if you get something, also pay it forward to the next. And that's also what I try to do. I try to, if I go to town somewhere and I know there's a lot of people coming by, I just buy a whole box of ice creams and just share the ice creams. And and that's what it's all about. You know, we are one community. We do it all together. We all want to hike. And 
yeah, that's the, the last thing I wanted to say. What an incredible community. Paying it forward, taking care of other people out there. Fantastic. Yep. All right. Hey, we are finished. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Davey. Wish you the very best on the rest of your trip. Hope that you'll allow us to uh, check in with you and maybe do another episode a little bit later in the in the PCT hike. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't mind that. That would, uh, that would be great. And uh, let's see how, uh, how happy I am then. And uh, yeah, that would be a great adventure. Okay. And as we close up today, do you have any shout outs to friends and family? Uh, yeah, I have a shout out to my trail family, Extra Virgin, Corgi, and, and Hex. Definitely a shout out to uh, to Blaze Physio, who make everything possible. Uh, shout out to uh, to all the trail angels who help us around. And uh, to my family and friends back in the Netherlands. And a shout out to all the hikers all over the world, you know. Just keep on going, keep on trucking, have fun, and be out there. Live your life. Nature. Well said, sir. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've got 30 mosquito bites from cowboy camping the night before. (laughs) The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock. Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, Captain America is out. (laughs) 